Well, and uh, greetings to the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki. This is a new show out here in uh, KADLP FM, uh, 103.5 Sonora. I am Captain Tiki, uh, a.k.a. Olaf. Uh, This is a new show I'll be doing on Thursdays. Uh, Tonight, I have in the studio with me Dave Allen. He's going to be helping me out uh, while I learn how to run the board and uh, get call-ins working and, yeah... A lot of stuff to do. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm the ace of the airwaves, and now I meet the captain. <laughs> I am the captain. The Captain Tiki. You know, I, I was uh, telling my girlfriend earlier, you know, I need to get a captain's hat, like a captain and Tennille kind of hat. Oh, yeah, that yeah. would be perfect. Although, I, I don't know if it would fit over your headphones. Yeah, it's pretty big headphones. You go like that. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, that was The Chase, originally done by Giorgio Moroder. This was a remix done by a guy named Kibu. Uh, I happen to like that version a lot. Um, that was uh, for my peeps out on Facebook. I asked them, okay, guys, what do you want me to have on the show? Who do you want me to have on the What do you want me to talk about? And they said, play the chase, uh, just like Art Bell did back on Coast to Coast back in the day. So that's my tribute to Art Bell. Uh, I'll be using that as an intro for a while until I can uh, make, make something better. But I'm down here uh, with my fellow travelers down here in the in a nondescript uh, basement hidden somewhere in the southern Sierra Nevada. Yeah, so we uh, this is truly underground radio. This truly is underground radio. It's what I always dreamed of. I am, I am in a basement many feet underground. I am surrounded, uh, as we speak, by record albums. Uh, I can see some Jim Croce, uh, Patty Page, Tom Jones, huh? Tom Jones Live. Well, anyway, so like I said, everybody, you know, welcome to the show. This is the first one. Uh, the next couple of them, I think, will be kind of bumpy at times as I learn how to do this, but please bear with me. Um, the show, you know, my vision of the show, I had a talk with Dave about this a couple times now. My vision of the show uh, is to really kind of go down the coast-to-coast path. You know, I'm not Art Bell. Uh, I'm not that good, <laughs> but I'm certainly going to try. So we've been on the air for, uh, we're in our seventh year. Seven. And I had always thought, now I was going to call mine the other load. That's a good. A, that's good. Uh, it wasn't going to be a call-in show. It was going to be a panel. And then we'd each bring in our little news tidbit of weirdness. I have news tidbits. Okay. I have come ready with news tidbits. So I, he comes in to, as for a visit. All of a sudden, he shows up in the studio, and uh, he pitches to me a kind of an Art Bell kind of thing. Fortean, paranormal, and, and then, yeah, Bigfoot. And, I, and I'm excited already he's shaking with and excitement. uh and then he adds to the and i said well it's a talk show not a music show and he goes oh no we're gonna have music too music and i too. said well what kind of music and you said tiki tiki music. and all of a sudden he won me over i said when do you want to start <laughs> and uh that was one week ago <laughs> uh, it's like the ghostbusters where the guy shows up to apply and it says have apply for the job and they you, just you hand, got it hand them a ghost <laughs> trap you know, I, I barely had time to get a domain. <laughs> I didn't even have time to build a website yet. <laughs> so I was really... It was fast. <laughs> yeah. And I've always had an interest, but only as far as Tuolumne County goes, because Tuolumne County, if you, anybody who has uh, lived here for any length of time realizes that what gives Tuolumne County its identity is kind of known for being weird. It is, yeah. You know, they say keep Portland weird. 
I would say Tuolumne County is far weirder. I, I agree. You know, it's funny. I People, my friends asked me, they said, well, why did you move up to Sonora? And I said, well, because it's weird. I said, because it's weird and there's no people. And I like that. Well, I think the two somehow go, go together. <laughs> and, the, you know, the people here, you know, everybody's wonderful and super nice and a little weird. And I, I used to come up here on weekends to go look for UFOs. I got a spot up above Strawberry. You know, I see some really weird stuff up there. Heard Bigfoot screaming. But I used to just come up here and just look for weird stuff, haunted stuff. I mean, the, the old hospital, it was on Ghost Adventures. I, I, I saw those episodes. Yeah. And so and I've been through that building. Oh, someday I hope. I, a guy can only dream. Oh, I would love it. But anyway, you know, I used to come up here and, you know, I took my kids to Columbia, but not during the day. I took them at night. <clears throat> and the, the stuff that we've seen in Columbia at night is crazy. Oh, uh, one night I was there, and it was some television show they were filming. Really? And they spent the night in the hotel. Oh, and wow. it's a famous scene uh, where the water turns itself on and off. The water kept turning itself on. I, I was with a woman today from Columbia, okay. and when she first moved into the house and it had been empty for a long time, nobody wanted to rent it because they, it was a so-called haunted house. Right. Which and is she like moved in here. in the first three months that she lived there. She said there was a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. And uh, she teaches music, so she had her students over. Okay. And then right in the middle of the lesson, the blender kept turning itself <laughs> on. Okay. <laughs> so the ghost didn't want to. I mean, people don't realize that uh, we're almost second to none with the amount of Bigfoot activity oh, that Bigfoot we have. Oh, Bigfoot activity is tremendous. Um, we're, uh, Sonora itself is number five in the number of uh, sightings of UFOs in North America and Canada. Well, now, you know, something interesting about that is that they say that areas of high concentration of quartz crystal is, it, you know, it aids in, in, you know, with ley lines and energies and whatever, and you get a lot of UFO sightings, a lot of cryptid sightings in areas with high concentrations of quartz. I mean, we're sitting on top of it, That's mountains right. of quartz here. In fact, this place is just, they say it's like the, the kingdom of pocket mines. Like there's mines everywhere. And back in the day, I knew this guy. He actually had a TV show, but that's another story. But he owned a mine up in Oregon. And <clears throat> one thing that he told me I think is absolutely true is that every mine is haunted. And so if you think about that for a second, this whole place is littered with mines. They're all haunted. You know, it just just the amount of paranormal activity here is insane. So, you know, they brag about Mount Shasta, or right. the, the lost cities up oh, under sure. Mount Shasta and the sure. lava tubes and stuff. Oh, yeah. We have one of the rarest geological features in the world, Table Mountain. Oh, right. And they found all those out-of-place artifacts. Now, that I did not know. They, yeah, there was a lost civilization living up under Table Mountain, or really? living at the time... The um, volcano went off and flooded. Right. Uh, that's a lava flow. Okay. And uh, up underneath the uh, lava flow, miners started to find artifacts from uh, ancient Native Americans. And the Miwoks living here today, uh -huh. you can uh, ask them about the first people. Okay, I and will. And Hosiah Whitney... Uh, that was the man, our first state geologist, which Mount Whitney is named after. Oh, okay. He owned the Harvard mine. 
okay. out here. And along with mastodon tusks and stuff, they found human remains. And uh, these beautiful bowls that were decorated and stuff. Wow. And uh, so we, there was a doctor here. Back in the 1800s, these uh, scientists, these doctors, they were usually medical doctors, but right. had an interest in all things yeah, science. Yeah, because, you know, you know, if you're a medical doctor, you're an expert archaeologist. Uh, yeah, you actually are. <laughs> and we had one here, Dr. Preshnell. Okay. And he had his cabinet of curiosities. Really? And any miner who found anything unusual would take it to him. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out an idea over the airwaves. If there because I know for a fact that there are mountains and mountains of miners still active here today, mining these same claims and these same mines. If you find something weird, you let me know. Because I I'm interested. And I I was trained as an archaeologist and an anthropologist at UC Davis. So uh, I will take it. Well, you may have been of interest in 1855, some miners working outside of Jamestown, sort of on uh, Blanket Creek. Okay. Uh, they found a human skull, a giant skull. Okay. Now now we're getting somewhere. All right. Sorry, I had to... These chairs are <laughs> different. Oh, yeah. That's why we had the background music, so you don't hear the squeaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the back. You know, yeah. I think... Honestly, I, I think that's something a lot of shows should do is background music. Yeah, I have the bed. Yeah. And by the way, this is uh, Trader Sam's from, uh, this is the Tiki soundtrack to Trader Sam's over at Disneyland. Wow. So Disney, you know, forget I exist. So we have the Giants. Okay, so now the Giants, that whole thing gets real interesting. But I'll let you continue, and let's come back to Giants. Well, I was just forget. saying that about uh, Dr. Schnell's collection, his cabinet of curiosities, and there was bar right. none. Josiah Whitney in his um, book of the geology of California, and that was the official government book. And uh, one of the chapters, he goes on for like five pages about Dr. Snell's collection. It, it was so extensive. And unfortunately, it was going to be the basis of the Tuolumne County Museum. Okay. But unfortunately, there was a big fire and everything was lost. But he had human remains that were like predated anything. Uh, that uh, anybody has found. Actually, when Whitney proposed how old he thought the human remains were, uh -huh. he was laughed at. He got, the no guy, and now it's closer to what, now they have all these new finds. Right. And now it's actually closer to him than it was. But well, the, that younger, drier flood happened, oh, sure. you know. And so. Well, interestingly enough, you know, um, I, I was actually, <laughs> I was actually on a TV show about this called uh, Unearthed with Scott Walter, and you know I, I came up here from the Bay Area, which I guess a lot of people unfortunately do, but <laughs> I came up here from the Bay Area, and in the Bay Area we have a thing called the uh, the mysterious walls of the East Bay, and basically it's a wall that on the surface is about four four or five feet tall, and it's stacked rock. And it runs for probably 40 or 50 miles. From I, I lived out there. Okay. I know about it. You know yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> we dug down. As part of the show, we dug down. And it went down another three or four feet below the ground. Wow. So it's you're actually talking about an eight foot, seven or eight foot tall. Well, then that would also um, be an indicator of its antiquity. Yes. And another uh, part of that demonstrates its antiquity is that in Berkeley, you know, they have a, a big park. 
right? Well, the wall runs through the park because it runs across the top of the, the hills. And there are several sections where acorns had fallen into the wall and actually grown to be massive oak trees that, bifur- that split the wall open. But you, you can tell by the diameter that, I mean, it, it had been there for a tremendously long time. So yeah, I always thought it was just the uh, ranchers wanting to keep the cows. That's, but that's what everybody says. It's either that or the Native Americans built it. And, you know, the Native Americans of that area, they didn't really do that kind of, you know, stonework. They, they, they built much smaller structures. And if you think about manually stacking rocks, a wall that's like six, seven, eight feet tall, that runs for over 40 miles. That's just a tremendous amount of labor. And it's not something that as a hunter-gatherer group you would really commit to doing. I've walked that wall I, It's Yeah, it's nuts. And the interesting thing is that it, it runs out to the Carquina Strait, but you can actually follow it. It, it hops over the Carquina Strait and keeps going. Wow, I didn't know that. And then it cuts west toward the ocean, and then it keeps going up. Wow. Now, if you go up by Shasta and Lassen, what you find is, again, you find these random walls out there in the middle of nowhere, and they ring the mountains. In fact, Mount Diablo, which has its own cryptid. We used to go, I know, we used to go up to top Mount. I used to look for what they called, she, we called them shell sandwiches. Oh, yeah. And you break open sure. the rock, and there's uh, fossils in there. You know, I'm actually uh, getting in touch with a guy who uh, recorded uh, Bigfoot sightings, actually, on Mount Diablo. Wow. But there's a wall that rings the mountain. I didn't know that. Yeah, in fact, these wall structures actually go down as far as about Fresno. But interesting is that according to the Native Americans of those areas, they said that there was a a group of giants that actually occupied the area and built the walls. And so everybody poo-poos it. It's like, well, no, giants, that's BS, whatever. But when they, in Concord, California, when they were actually digging the original train station, they unearthed one of these giants. And they found a, a skeleton that was approximately seven feet tall. It was a man, seven feet tall. <clears throat> um, and when they looked at the grave goods, this stuff that's buried with the body, they found stuff that was Yurok. They found stuff that was Miwok. They found stuff that was Ohlone. They found stuff that was Chinese, including Chinese coins. They found stuff that was Filipino. They found stuff that was Polynesian all in this grave and at seven feet tall i mean that's i mean that's huge by today's standards but in the early 1900s i mean that just would have been a giant right and so the guy these guys from the smithsonian come out they you know where i'm going the guys with from the smithsonian come out they write an article in the local paper about it it's in there they analyze it. They say, nope, it's a skeleton, seven foot tall. We can't explain it. Doesn't look like it's an indigenous person from this area. It's not First Nations people, you know. It's not <clears throat> Filipino or Chinese or Polynesian or, you know, Asian or we don't know what this is. We're going to collect it. We're going to take it back to the Smithsonian and analyze it. They take it back to the Smithsonian. They forget about it. They lose it. There was a fire. They think it's destroyed. They don't know where it is, but it's gone. That's what happened to a lot of the Table Mountain artifacts. Oh, I have no doubt. Ah, uh, the Smithsonian comes uh, and collects it, and then it, it disappears. Vanishes. Yep. It's and a, they say, "No, we don't." Okay, now here's a good one. Now this happened actually in Mammoth Lakes. Okay. But this is in 1965. So and that uh, was in like 1906. 
Yeah, I know. The one I'm talking about was 1855. But that's when the miners just came in and stripped everything down. I of mean, course. they found all kind of stuff. Even me up on top of Mount Diablo, I had a, a li- the tip of a tusk of some kind of uh, oh, mammoth or something. And then this fossilized bone bones that I I don't know where, what kind of... Yeah, over there in Black Hawk region. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. they put together some kind of mosasaur or something. Amazing stuff. But up here, it was all mastodons and... They found a lot of uh, mastodon remains when the miners came through. But in Mammoth Lakes, okay. this guy uh, accidentally unearthed what they call the minaret skull. Have you ever I heard of I've it? I think I've heard of it. And um, it, uh, uh, Bigfoot enthusiasts are convinced it's a Bigfoot uh, okay. uh, skull uh, because of the sagittal crest oh, sure. that goes up. But it was like... And this guy was a doctor. He was a medical doctor. And he said, I did autopsies all the time. You have to cut the brain or the skull in order to lift it up to look at the brain. And he says it was cut exact. I mean, not exact because he said you could see where it was like kind of rough hewn. But right, he knew what it was instantly. And uh, they had removed the brain. Well, they had at least cut the top. And he th- he turned it over, and, and he thought it was like a ritual vessel of some sort. You know, that, that, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, and he says, whoever it was, he says, if it was a man, it was a big man. Yeah. And he says, but the thing that stumped me was that uh, the fusions up at top, yeah, the so there was some crest. kind of sagittal crest there. Right. And he actually called and reported, I found human remains in... And then uh, law, law enforcement goes, those are too old. You're going to have to call, like, the anthropology department sure. or something. And he did. And they came and collected it, and the same thing happened. But he had a receipt <laughs> from, uh, okay. uh, he, you know, that I turned this over sure. to so-and-so. It's the government. Yeah, a signed receipt. receipt. And it still got lost. But he had the receipt to prove that. He at uh, least turned it in. And it was, fortunately, it was a medical doctor that found it. So he, he says, I did, it was a Boy Scout camp. And he <laughs> says, I had two dozen kids. Yeah. But they were using mules. And a mule got stuck in the mud and then unearthed this thing. And he says, I didn't sit and analyze it like I should have. But I, you got to excuse me that I had two dozen kids the satchel crest is interesting though because that's where you know for the listeners that's where the muscles in your jaw you know anchor to the top of your your skull so that's a, a gorilla yeah or a, if you think of like a crow or like a neanderthal and they have very wide what's called a, zyg- a zygomatic arch where the jaw fits in that kind of circle thing and it wraps around and it, you know if you have a large satchel crest you have so much strength in your jaw that That's you can super actually, muscle. Oh, wow. super muscle! You can like crack bones in half with your teeth and stuff. You know, in the Gigantopithecines, who we commonly believe Bigfoot is a relative of, in in China they actually used to call them dragon's teeth, and they would take the molars from Gigantopithecines and they actually grind them up as an aphrodisiac. Because of how huge they're. Oh, they're enormous. Uh, so. Uh, that's yeah, crazy. To researchers around here, they're, they're the North American wood ape. North American wood ape. Yeah, or if you're uh, living down there, chicken ranch, or uh, it's the Yaya Li. Right. 
And uh, there's the Yaya Lee Bones. Did I tell you about that? Yeah, I'd heard about this. So somewhere around here, there's Yaya Lee Bones. Uh, so what it is is a memorial okay. to a place where the um, Miwok uh, tribe um, down there, chicken by Chicken Ranch, uh-huh. uh, I forget the name of the little village, but it was a the the Yaya Lee kept raiding the village. Okay. And finally, they uh, it killed the child. Okay. And uh, this they, is a nasty one. Yeah, they're nasty. Yeah. Everybody thinks you know. Okay. I, so, <laughs> interestingly, co- normally when you think Bigfoot, right? It's funny, you know, we're sitting in the yeah. studio. And we've got, there's a, I'll I'll make a little announcement about it a little bit. There's a a Sierra Bigfoot festival that's happening up in Twain Art. You know, and it's, it's this cute Bigfoot with like a, like a guitar. He's sitting on, you know, he's got a little heart on it, sitting on, you know, wood. And there was like, oh, Bigfoot, he's so lovable. And yeah, I thought when I was growing up, when I was growing up, to me, he supposed to have been the representative of the last of the wildness, the protectors. Of well, the forest, yeah. And he was like Smokey the Bear, too. right? Smokey, yeah, or Woodsy the Owl, right? Yeah. I like Woodsy the Owl, but you know that depends on who you ask. So, <clears throat> on the other side of the the Sierras, the the Paiute who live out there, um, all the way from from Bishop all the way out to Pyramid Lake, they believe that the Bigfoot is bad, that it's a bad omen, that if you see it, bad things will happen. And if you interact with one, it's going, if I recall correctly, it will attack you. And they actually call it the bone crusher. So the Paiute refer to it as the bone crusher. Yeah, there's always and this it's bad. spiritual aspect too. Right. Because there was this native, I, so I, the guy's son, they used to go out hunting together. Uh-huh. And the son died. And he tried going out to the hunting grounds where they always went hunting together. Right. And he says, I saw the Yaya Lee. I can't go back there. And so... uh, There is a spiritual aspect to it. I mean, you know, when when I saw it, it was more of a sense of awe. But no, there there is definitely a spiritual aspect to it. That, you know, it's, it's this kind of like... You know, I have a friend, his name's Alan Greenfield, and he, he's written all kinds of books about, you know, flying saucers and, and oh, just about everything. His most famous book is called The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts and The Secret, Secret Rituals of the Men in Black. And we're actually working on a third book about the Black Lodge. But he, he and I, you know, we identify as quote-unquote Fortians, followers of Charles Fort, this idea of the weirdness is just everywhere. And we, we tap into it, right? And as Fortians, our perspective of it is that they are what we call ultra-terrestrials, meaning that we don't know where they come from. And there's a com- amongst Fortians, there's a common belief that Bigfoot and the Swamp Ape and the Chupacabra, you know, and, and Nessie and, and Tessie and all the rest of them, that they're... they're somewhere between being physical supernatural there's they're spiritual they're interdimensional don't know what it is but it's not as simple as it's a living thing on the ground and you need to look no further than you know angel island yeah out in the bay Uh by san francisco there have been bigfoot sightings on angel island well i hear they're quite good swimmers that's a long swim 
Uh, well, um, Jacqueline did it. You know, I, I actually met his, his daughter once. <laughs> yeah, on Catalina Island, they found a oh. bunch of giants. Oh, yeah. No, the uh, Southern California. California. You know, the interesting, well, they call it a cryptid, but I don't really know that it qualifies as a cryptid. But in Southern California, along the coast, because, you know, it's very craggy and rocky, they have these thing, these people, they call them the watchers. And so you'll be hiking along, you know, through the whatever, the rocks and everything along the coast. Like I said, it's very jagged, you know, out the, by Morro Bay and, and, you know, down south. And there'll be people that'll just be standing on top of the rocks watching you. And so they call them the watchers. That and they have, the, and the further south you go, they have the uh, flying humanoids. Those are my favorite. That when you get down closer to the border with Mexico, they actually have flying humanoids. They're just people that fly through the air. Like there's tons of videos of them. They're literally just people flying around in the sky. It's nuts. Well, I heard of the Watchers. Yeah, the Watchers are creepy. Ah, but I never heard of the flying humanoid. Oh, yeah. Have you heard so. of the Fre the Fresno Night Stalker? <laughs> no. Or the, I try I'm sorry, Fresno Nightcrawler. My, my interest in all of it's this pants. is just... It looks like pants with eyes walking around. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's just legs. Uh, <laughs> my interest in all of this is just because I live in Tuolumne County. It's weird here. And uh, I like chronicle or try to celebrate. Um, so I know a lot about Tuolumne County, but you step outside Tuolumne County, my knowledge is... Uh, but, that, but that's the essentialness of it, is that, you know, there are plenty of people that know all that other stuff. I mean, there's books. There's a guy who wrote a book about the 33rd parallel 33rd latitude they call it the ufo superhighway you know there's all this weird stuff that happens on the 33rd latitude and, you know disneyland is supposedly lined up on the oh, 33rd, yeah, right? yeah. mount palomar is on the 33rd degree you know there's but it's just like the superhighway of weirdness the problem is is that you get into a place like tuolumne county you get into twain heart and sonora you know and you get valley springs and you know china chinese china camp and these groveland and Oakdale and you know nobody knows anything about what happens here and I think that's one of the, the reasons that I'm excited about doing the show here is that this is untapped weirdness you know it's funny that the way that I found my little secret spot above strawberry <clears throat> is that one night I was out with a with a bunch of guys that I know <clears throat> we were skulking around at night because when you're 14 you skulk around at night and uh, we were over at the in the graveyard over in Columbia. And we were just, you know, it's haunted, like, to the ends. I mean, the place is super haunted. Ever take an SB7 spirit box in there, or Frank's box, whatever? It just goes and goes in the school, too. But we were in there. We had our SB7. We had night vision goggles. We're walking around, tri-field meters, all this stuff. And <clears throat> what we were really doing is we were trying to find the grave of one of the pilots uh, from the Sonora Aero Club right. from the ancient air, or from the mysterious airships of 1897. Another very famous thing. In fact, you were kind enough to bring your copy of the Del Shao book. Well, I wanted to make sure you were getting that uh, because you had talked about Walter Bosley. Oh yeah, I love Walter. And I'm going to uh, get him on the show. Uh, I wanted to make sure you had, you know, that to me is the basic education. Oh, it and is. Then you go on. And you can create your own theories. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, so there were, 
we'll get to it in another show. But, but basically, there were these things called arrows. They're airships, like dirigibles, and they, they launched from the Columbia Airport. And this, go ahead. So we're talking 1857, folks. 18, That's when yeah. Peter Menace first launched, actually along Woods Creek, so it was more like Jamestown, but he, uh, they ended up making a little secret airfield. But uh, he uh, flew from uh, Woods Creek to uh, Columbia, Sonora, and back and landed. And that was the, f- and so, okay, I mean, these arrows, they called oh, them arrows. arrows. His was the arrow goosey. Okay. And um, they flew it from Woods Creek to Columbia. And can you imagine in the 1850s, these, I mean, how steampunk well, can you get? Oh, I know. I mean, <laughs> well, in 1897, they, they went out into Texas. The great airship yes. mystery. And that, those were arrows from here. And 18 states yes. recorded uh, them things going by. My opinion of it was, is there was these different companies that wanted to do um, national uh, flight, transport, and there was a competition. But when it came to the Sonora Aero Club in NIMSA, right, the guy who found, his name escapes me, the guy who who ran the Sonora Aero Club was not cool with that. In fact, there's a story. Peter Menace. Yeah, there was a story that somebody had taken one of the arrows and was running cargo. And he actually sabotaged it, and it crashed in a redwood grove out by... Uh, Cal- in Calaveras. Yeah, in Calaveras. And the guy, it had crashed in the top of the the, the, tr- the redwood trees. The guy fell out and died. Uh, well, th- actually, several people died during these strange experiments. One is where the guy just got his... They tried to hook up a landing gear. They didn't... Uh, they had to figure out retractable landing gear, and his landing gear yeah. got caught in one of the big trees. But uh, but that's this is the this is the mothership of that. That's right, it's the mothership. So we were we have you know we have lists of who all were pilots of these things, and so we went into the graveyard and we went looking. <clears throat> and picture you know there's about six of us going through. We're searching headstones. We finally think we found it. But this guy pulls up, and it's like 1.30 in the morning. This guy pulls up in a BMW, and he parks in that parking space next to the school. And he gets out, and he walks to the, the fence line, and he's just staring at us. It's staring at us. <clears throat> and we're all kind of looking at each other like, okay, what do, what's going on here? Who's got the knife? Right, you know, it's like, are we going to get shanked? I don't know. I mean, you're walking around with Ghostbuster equipment on your goggles. And, oh yeah. Uh, so I would probably stop and stare. But a, a, a nice BMW. And what was he doing there to begin with? Okay. Well, that's the whole point of the story. <laughs> so he's just staring at us. So I finally, you know, I'm the one with the guts. So I finally t- tell the other, you know, I'm going to go over. I'm going to talk to this guy and see what's up. So I go over there and. <clears throat> He was he was part of a, a different group that's very prevalent up here. The, I'm not going to mention it at the moment, but they're just they're very prevalent here. There's a lot of them, and you know who they are. And he was a member of that group, and he said, "I just felt like I needed to come here tonight." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'm a reasonable, rational guy. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but all right." He says, "But I got to tell you." If you want to see UFOs, go to this spot. And I'm like, okay, well, we're not. How do you know that I'm going to go look for UFOs? And he's like, just trust me. If you want to see UFOs, 
go to this spot. And he proceeds to pop the trunk of his car. He has an index folder that's about maybe a foot wide, and it's filled with maps. He pulls, he rumbles through it, and he pulls this map out, and it's out there, you know, Strawberry down one away toward you know uh, the de- the Dales and, and Kennedy Meadows and the you know, Sorner Pass, and he draws a little circle in this little like spot out past the Strawberry Store, the new home of Bigfoot is back at the Strawberry Store. Yes, yes, yes it is. It is. Anyway, yeah, I actually wrote weird California and wrote uh, it's back. I said <laughs> so they'll repost it. Oh, good. Well, anyway, so he gave me this map and he says go out there, and I said okay, sure. And so I hang out with my friends, you know, for another couple of days. We do our arrow thing because they're making a documentary about the arrows that's somewhere. And Bill, when you listen to this, you gotta make the documentary finally. But, um, yeah, we just went on and forgot about it. But it's like the weirdest thing. So one day I, I went back to the Bay Area where I, I lived and I thought about it and thought about it. And, you know, I would come up here to look for weird stuff. I came back up here. You know, I I got a, a room over there in Jamestown because um, I used to stay at the Best Western. Big plug for the Best Western up here. It's fantastic. Anyway, I would go up fine i'm gonna go up there so i went up there <clears throat> i had my radio scanner i had my goggles i had my comfy chair and I my diet coke and i just saw the craziest stuff like the most bizarre stuff he, he even told me where to look for ufos so to let you know if people are listening from outside the county how weird tuolumne county can be <laughs> so my physician at the hospital she's retired now but her and i i know we got close uh, so I said, what do you, what do you do? You know, you're a doctor. And she says, well, what we do in our spare time, it says when it's family night, uh-huh. they don't play checkers or board games. They get the ch- lawn chairs and go out in the backyard and look for UFOs. And yes. she said they had visitors that came on a regular basis. And I'm talking about this. This is my physician. So that's, my, that's a hobby in Tuolumne County. It's a hobby. To look for it's a legit UFOs. hobby. So, my parents bought a house up in Twainart, and they, they spend most of their time in Twainart, and it's it's lovely up there. But <clears throat> we kind of moved this stuff in, and and uh, the neighbors from across the street they come over, and they were like, "Oh, you know, <clears throat> we noticed because you know I, I bake pies for fun, so I you know they would help us out, watch the house, move the garbage cans, you know." And very grateful for that, you know, because my parents, it's hard for them sometimes. But so I'd make them pies and, and I'd go up on weekends and with my girlfriend and we'd hang out and whatever. And so one day they come over and it's just me and, and my girlfriend at the time. <clears throat> my parents are back in the Bay Area. And so we're staying and they said, hey, we noticed you were sitting out on the deck all night. What were you doing? And we're like, oh, we're looking for UFOs. And like, oh, have you seen the neighborhood UFO? And I'm like, neighborhood UFO? Okay, what are we smoking? No, no, no. There's a neighborhood UFO. Everybody on the street knows about the UFO. It comes out of the east. It kind of migrates, you know, to the west all night. It moves around back and forth, you know, and everybody knows. It's completely acceptable. Yeah, that's it. Everybody takes it nonchalant. It's completely Unless it's really... uh, so one time a UFO buzzed town of Sonora in broad daylight. 
And I made really? the paper for three days in a row. Really? My whole apartment, I was living on Stewart Street, started rumbling and I jump out and I go to the high porch just in time to look up. And you know the beginning of Star Wars, how you just see the bottom of the ship with all the tubes and oh, yeah. stuff? Yeah. And then as soon as it cleared my house, boom, it went so fast it like vanished. And it wasn't me, just me. I mean, it made the papers for three days in a row. I was when I was in college. I was part because it's all it's always rural places like this, you know that it's like that. I went to school in Davis, and we had a we had a little town that was adjacent to us, and they had a sighting where they had a UFO that flew along the railroad tracks, like all night, and they called the entire. It's Dixon, California. They they also had cattle mutilations out there, but that's another show. But they. They called the entire police force was chasing it down the railroad tracks. They called in the reserve officers chasing it down the railroad tracks. They called in the CHP. They called in the Davis police. They called in everybody they could find, and they're all chasing it down the railroad tracks. So the same thing happened here. Yeah. Uh, 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 The sheriffs... Uh, chased up Highway 108, a low-flying UFO, and it's totally really? documented on the police record. And we're fam- we're famous because in 1964, I think it was, um, they had built a new housing track up the. They called it the Peter Pam uh, housing okay. uh, project, but it was up uh, in the Cold Springs area, and they got a report. This thing's overturning these garbage cans, and he's big, and it's not a bear. We don't know what it is. They got two phone calls. They came up there, the sheriff's department, and the thing bluff-charged the patrol car. And uh, they spent two two or three days trying to track this thing down because it was a light snow, but enough to leave Footprints. footprints. And they got all the sheriffs to go up and you can go to the BFRO is that a Bigfoot Research yeah. Organization website yeah. and it's there the newspaper articles See, from the Indian Democrat you know everybody everybody talks about you know uh, Boulder Creek and they talk about Willow Creek and you know these other places and it's like okay well there's footage right but I'm telling you per capita there's more here in in the 50 miles surrounding where I'm sitting right now than most of the rest of California. Um, most of the rest of the nation, I would venture. Yeah. Well, so, I actually have a map. One of the, so I came prepared. And one interesting, interestingly enough, it says Bigfoot loves Washington too. And they have, and I don't believe this map for one minute, but they have a map of per capita sightings. And it actually says we're low. When was this? Uh, that was uh, a couple days ago, I think. Oh, well, maybe things have changed because I would tell you, Tuolumne County, uh, it it's was like the big, big, big the, you heard of the uh, um, Sierra Sounds? Uh, yes. So it's the audio recordings yes. of Bigfoot. They, uh, during 1971 to about 76, there's this kind of backcountry camp that these hunters used to go to. That's in that's in the David Politi's documentary, Missing 411 Yes, Hunters. it is. And, they and talk, he interviews Ron Moorhead. Yeah, he interviews the guy and they, they had built like a like a 
like a little lean-to between two trees, but you, they could lock themselves yeah, inside in. Inside it, yeah, I was trying to look for the right word. It's like a safe room. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I guess you would and, call and, it a safe and, room. Yeah, and the guy and the guy said that the Bigfoot would pound on it, and then they said it, the other weird stuff would start where they'd have like lightsabers going through the trees. Oh yeah, and they would have UFOs like hovering over the camp. A lot of the hunters. A lot of the talk hunters, about yeah. that. Yeah, that's all out toward Kennedy Meadows. But they came year after year, year and after recorded year. a family. And they have hours of audio. The audio's been analyzed. They said oh, yeah. the, uh, uh, however they record sound, they went lower than the human capable was sure. and higher than, uh, and then they sent it over. So that was a guy that was an uh, electric engineer. Okay. Then they sent it over to a guy that was a linguist working at the military base there in Monterey. Right. And uh, he says, it's a language. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, some researchers, because we have some guys that live here. Yeah. Why is three of the nationally known Bigfoot uh, researchers live in Jamestown? Yeah. yeah. Why, why do they? I know, and nobody, you know, nobody ever talks about the fact that there's so much Bigfoot here. I mean, we have a Bigfoot festival. <laughs> no, nobody. I, I didn't realize it until I started coming here, and then you know I got the opportunity to move here, and it's like, well, why wouldn't I? This is one of you know I've been all over the place, and this is bar none one of the weirdest places I've ever been. I had to be here. <laughs> yeah, you fit right in. Huh? I did, and I had to have a show here. The way the show materialized was as as bizarre as the as the as Bigfoot itself. Uh, you know we have you know we have the alien space cathedral in Tuolumne City. I did not know that. So anyway, the Scientologists took over the um, Buchanan Mine okay. and drilled down six stories, and they have stored. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard's writings encased in these vacuum sealed cubes. I thought that no, was No, there's more north. than one. Okay, because I know uh, Miskevich's wife is up north. Uh, that is the, the actual landing field. Okay. They actually have landing fields. So I used to go to the Buchanan mine all the time. I had a girlfriend that lived in uh, one of the old buildings from out there. And all of a sudden, they closed the whole area off, started blasting because you could hear it would shake the house, and um, built six stories down to house L. Ron Hubbard's for when the reawaken. what do they call it? The reawakening comes or something? But that's there. And wow. uh, we have the lost civilization living under Table Mountain. Right, I'm, I'm um, interested in that one. So they have... Um, UFO. Do you, do you remember that one that Joe Rogan, I think, and uh, Dan Aykroyd, they, oh, the yeah. Dan Aykroyd's movie about UFOs? Yeah. Every bit of that footage that he featured in that show uh -huh. was filmed by this guy named Mark Olson, and it was here in Tuolumne County. And when was that? That was the eight, eight, maybe late 80s? or yeah, early 90s. Early 90s, 90s. Yeah. and uh, it was all filmed here, every bit of that footage. And uh, I have, I have my little file of it. And uh, the at one point there was this guy, and he had the. It was the largest UFO museum in the world, was housed here. But uh, he he kind of retired. But why why did he locate here? 
it was because there was so much activity. Uh, here. No, there really is. I mean, it, it just, I try to tell people, I mean, it, it really is like insanely busy, so to speak. You can feel it too. You know, one time we actually did, so we found crystals up at my dad's house. Of course, you're talking about quartz. Yeah. We used to go uh, crystal hunting at my dad's because there's a lot of it here. And then we actually took them to Sedona, okay. <laughs> where my oh, wife's mother lived, and to get them charged on oh, the sure. ley lines. Uh, there's, but there's certain spots. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? There we are have, spots here, too. Yeah, because we beat out Sedona for the number of UFO sightings. Uh, they were number six, I think, and we were number five. Wow. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe they were four and we were five. But I mean, we were we Still. were right up there with Sedona. Yeah, but I mean, people don't think about Tuolumne County being a UFO hotspot. Right, but it is. It really is. So here it is. Although uh, I don't want everybody moving up here and spoiling no, the scene. I don't need a lot of people here. I'm good. Right, but please come and visit. Yes, please if you come want visit. It. They have the uh, ghost hunting conventions. Actually, that's in Murphy's. It's in Calaveras County, the hotel yeah, there. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. They also do uh, ghost tours and stuff in Columbia. Right. Oh, so if you get the Bigfoot Research Organization, they're going to take you on a tour, uh -huh. a Bigfoot tour, and you yeah. pay them what a couple thousand bucks or something. Yeah. Guess where they take you? To Tuolumne County. Do they really? Yes, they do. That's hilarious. So there are some places that are very active, uh, with a lot of activity. You know, it's not just seeing them; it's no, finding their nests. Hey, oh, yeah. it's documented by an anthropologist yeah. uh, there uh, by Jupiter, uh, Big Hill Road, right off the road. Really? Uh, they found nests, and it was totally documented. Really? Somebody actually, not in this case, yeah, you can go to the BFRO website, and that's here in Tuolumne County, and they, wow. they did the official anthropological you know they like excavated it and mapped it out and everything and when i was working for the forest service out there in hull creek we found a nest i've heard of that one yeah hull creek is uh yeah. the spot it's a spot yeah that's what i heard uh, and you can hear the wood knocks i've personally i've heard the wood knocks i've heard the screams Oh, up in Twainheart. Oh, uh, I heard them out that spot out past Strawberry. I'm sitting there in the middle of the night. I just watched something crazy come out of Area 51, watch it climb straight up in the sky. I knew it was Area 51, it was in the right spot. And then he goes, ah, and I'm like, what the? Beep, beep, beep. We don't have a 10 second delay. Beep, 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 beep. Is that? And I was like, oh my God, I think I just heard Bigfoot scream. So, anyway. so do you believe there's the woo factor, that connection? Oh, yeah. Between UFO and because the researchers that's, here, that's just flesh and blood. That's all there is to it. Oh no, there's no woo factor. No, that's the ultra terrestrial thing. Is that it's all interconnected? Because you know what? Like you take Bigfoot or you take the Mothman, the Fresno Nightcrawler, the Chupacabra. You know, the, wherever you see the Mothman, you have a tremendous number of UFO sightings. Wherever you see Bigfoot, you have a tremendous number of UFO sightings. They're, they go hand in hand. You, you take like uh, a Skinwalker Ranch, you know, you've got this concentration where you have everything. And you have UFOs and you have cryptids and you have all of it. It's all in the same place. I drew a picture. I'm like an amateur artist of uh, Bigfoot because he 
where do you think George Lucas got the idea for Chewbacca, you know? And of so course. I have Bigfoot and a Yoda-like creature, and okay. they're sitting there and they're roasting, mar making s'mores. And you can see their ship landed behind them, and they're here in Tuolumne County camping. Well, where else would they come <laughs> yeah, to camp? Where would they come? Elsewhere would they come to camp? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, we're uh, uh, sorry we passed our Station break ready. time. Yes. It got so interested in what we we're talking about. So, you are listening to KADLP 103.5 Sonora, California. And uh, we'll be right back. Yes. After this. <laughs> Oh, 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 
we're back. Hopefully you enjoyed some music. Uh, big shout out to Felix for that song. Uh, the first one played into the break. Excellent song. Hope you guys enjoyed it. <coughs> so we're listening to Captain... Uh... Oh yes, this is, uh, this is the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki. I'm Captain Tiki, uh, also known as Olaf. Uh, and I'm here with uh, Dave Allen. We're chit-chatting about the weirdness of Tuolumne County. Yeah. <laughs> and you're listening to KADLP right here from broadcasting from the basement of the historic Casino Dome, which is yes. on America's most haunted list. Really? Uh, you should have seen the activity when we first moved in here. Uh, so this, so we are broadcasting from a haunted studio. That's right. Uh, what was the common uh, sighting is a... Uh, lone forlorn girl in the upstairs looking out the window really uh wow so you can go online and it's it's official so it's it's officially a haunted studio that's right this is a haunted studio studio. so it's destiny for you it's destiny for all of us it's just this place is just replete with and and we were actually uh outside getting some air and we were talking about more weirdness. And one of the things that I was mentioning to Dave here is that, you know, I I love aircraft, all kinds of aircraft. And, and you know, I always make a point of, of looking at planes. And, you know, I've, I've lived on Air Force bases and, and just seen aircraft my entire life. But I was telling him that, you know, I live not too far from the Columbia Airport here. And I see, you know, Cal Fire air attack flying out when there's a fire. I'll see the hell attack coming in to refuel and do stuff. But I have never in my whole life seen as many unlisted military helicopters as I've seen in this place. And they have their transponders off. I've seen them at night without their running lights on. I mean, it's some, and I know we have the Marine base on the other side of the pass, but they're not flying toward the Marine base. They're flying in the other direction. So I don't, I don't know where they're going, what they're looking at. Although I have seen like squadrons of uh, jets and helicopters flying in formation, heading towards up to that minute for exercises, I guess, or something. <coughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's just the weirdest thing. But I guess I, that kind of, I mean, look, we're in a haunted, we're in a haunted studio, you know. This place, there's just so much weirdness. So now you were telling me about some landings, UFO landings. Oh, yes. So anyway, and I actually have an eyewitness account uh, in his own, um, and it was in 1965. And we're going to get a copy of that so we can play. We'll have you back on after you're done helping me out because right now he's training me. After you're done training me, we'll have you come back. And you can play the cassette. I think it's, you said it's a cassette, right? It's well, no, I have it digitally. Oh, good. Okay, so it's about we're fifteen gonna... minutes long. I edited it down a little bit, uh, but it's a man named Jake Jacobson. Okay, and uh, he used to be the mechanic or mate did was the maintenance man for the uh, radio towers. Right. Uh, that can be seen anywhere uh, from downtown Sonora. It's up on the opposite hill over there. Right. And uh, he said he was up there and it was dusk. And he said there was a problem with uh, kids uh, breaking the chain link fence. There was just a, a chain go across the road and right. he'd lock it up, but the kids would bust it and take their uh, um, cars up in there because it was sure. an isolated area and they'd party up there. So when he, fr- and there had been a fire. Okay. There had been a fire up there. 
and uh, he saw the lights and stuff and said, them damn kids, and went out of his little shed. <laughs> okay. And there was two saucer-shaped UFOs, and the pilots were on the rim of the thing, okay. and they made eye contact. And it, it freaked him out. He well, got yeah. in his car or his old pickup truck and headed down the hill and alerted right away. And then called the news and the news team <laughs> they came up, up there. there. And that was the next morning. But they found the burn that there had already been a fire, but they found the, uh, the, trace, the, the trace, trace of the landing and this mysterious green stuff uh, hanging from all the Was it like the, the fairy, they call it like the fairy twine or whatever um, that you get sometimes? Yeah, I, yeah. I heard that it is kind of common in uh, UFO. But he said they were totally human-like. Yeah, you were saying he said they, they had baseball hats. Yeah, you know, like but they were uniforms. Yeah. He said they were all dressed the same. But he said, but he got such a good look at them that... Um, he said he could, if there was a crowded street, he could pick those those people out. Wow. And, uh, but the next day when they came, it was gone. And then they visited again, but didn't land. And he was hoping that he'd see them regular, but it was just a couple times. And, you know, after that initial freak out. And when he went down, and I had this story collaborated because I did a uh, little show and mentioned that guy's name and got an email from over in some other country. But okay. he says, I was raised in Tuolumne County. Okay. And I was just a little kid. And that man came pounding on the door when I was a little kid, all excited and freaked out, and told his dad the story. And he overheard the story about the UFOs. And then he said, so that collaborated the story for me. Sure. And then uh, he said he had his own sighting off of Bluebell Road. As you're going up Tuolumne, you head on Bluebell Road. Yeah. And these are established families that's lived here for generations, right? right? And he said that when he dropped off his girlfriend and the thing just hovered. And uh, he got out of the car and the thing's just still hovering. And he ran to a trailer uh, that uh, pounding, on the, pounding on the door, and this old elderly couple came out and said, "Do you see what I see?" And there was an Eve, so they stepped down off the porch and looked up. And as soon as they saw that thing hovering, uh, they ran back in the house and shut the door. <laughs> well, but like I mean, we all would. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, these stories—they collaborate one another. I sure. have a tendency to okay, I, I believe these guys because if you're a reporter and you hear it the same story from three different witnesses. And the 80s was real an active time here. Really? Uh, but there was a guy that was actually collecting those stories. And I have a lot of clippings from the Union Democrat that chronicle all these different sightings. So I wonder why the 80s was, was such a big time. I don't know, something was happening here. But I think it might have had something to do with just the fact that there were people looking. Yeah. And there was somebody trying to record. Well, there was also, a MUFON guy that lived here. Well, also in, in the late 80s going into the early 90s, you know, there was sightings and you, you had all these TV shows that were kind of popularizing and people were starting to get outside. But there's a word for when they have waves. Yeah, a wave. 
uh, a wave happened, and it's been repeatedly over here yeah, at Columbia, it happens, starting in 1897. It happens about every 10 years. Uh, there's a wave. There's a wave. And, you know, one of the other interesting things about this area is that back in the 90s, there was a guy named Tall, and Tall had made this map. And uh, it was basically of like saucer bases. It was hand-drawn. And one of the saucer bases is not far from here. Because, you know, it's the David Paulides thing with the missing 411. There are high concentrations of people who van they vanish inside of national parks. And so... <clears throat> and the surrounding area, because I've seen the episodes that kind of... We've had a lot of missing people here, but we don't... You don't we usually don't. Yeah, we don't talk well, there, about it. There's that. actually an overlook. Uh, we went up there. That's right. Yeah, there were three people that, that vanished, and they all... There's something weird about how they they die. If they if well, if they, they don't know what happened. Well, no, two of them, the oh, they two found women, they found them, okay. and they basically stripped buck naked and drowned in three feet of water in the stream. When you look down the stream at the bottom that runs on the reservoir, they had gotten down there somehow, stripped themselves buck naked, and drowned in the water. Possessed, huh? I don't know. It, it, but it's a thing, you know, Paulides has written, what, five or six books on this? Although story. I will say, and this isn't ever talked about much either, is that uh, if you have a body to drop off, uh, you, come out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you come out to the remote rural areas. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. But that's not the, our topic No, that's tonight. not the topic of the evening. <laughs> No, but I mean, there there are a lot of disappearances inside it, and he he fingered one of the uh, the saucer bases as being, you know, inside or near Yosemite, and there is a high concentration of disappearances in Yosemite. And for a book I wrote, um, I actually overlaid uh, Politi's map. He he kind of shows you little screenshots of it where he has like little thumbtacks. I overlaid that on a on a actual on Tall's map of the western states and the areas of concentration of disappearances actually lines up to where tall said there were quote-unquote saucer bases and that's not just here i mean that's lassen and, and uh, shasta going all the way up in oregon out to nevada uh so i have a map of all the uh villages native villages and and it's hard to pinpoint sometimes with those maps, but there was high concentrations here in the Jamestown snare, more so than up the hill. Oh, so I was trying to tell this Bigfoot story. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's a memorial where they uh, all the tribe oh, yes. got together and killed yes, this, this is particularly one nasty, nasty one, and it killed a, a child. Uh, yeah, and they went that after it. Ranch, right. And um, I, I don't know if I want to go into the whole story, but it was a story that a man named Tom Williams, uh, he was a Jamestown resident, Miwok, was raised in the 1830s and 40s. And uh, when the Gold Rush people came in, he was a champion in, in trying to preserve the culture because it was an oral tradition, right? 
And uh, all his stories is like his other Yaya Lee stories is uh, squirrel outwits the Yaya Lee and stuff, you know, so they're like mythologies. But this story that he did, and everybody, all the tribes around here knew this basic story because that's how they transmitted. So the storyteller would show up to a roundhouse, and it would be an all-night affair, and the people knew the basics of the stories. There were actually songs and and movements that were associated with the... But they would hire this one guy as a storyteller because he was an expert at... He was the culture bearer. He would transmit it to the next generation. Sure. And so uh, the story goes, these women were out collecting uh, buckeyes. And so if they were doing that, you know it was a lean year. No acorns happened in the trees that year. So uh, everybody's hungry. Right. And this thing had been raided in the camp. Okay. Okay. And he uh, attacked these women. They were, it was attracted this crying child. Okay. This, the kid wouldn't shut up. Maybe the kid was hungry. I don't know. But the, the Yaya Lee was attracted to it. Came after these women. Okay. After the baby, actually. They ran and hid. Calmed the baby down. Okay. When it started to get dark, the women thought they were safe and got out of their hiding place, started heading back to the village. Guess what, the Yaya Lee caught scent of them or however they do it, started after them. They get to the village. They give the little child to the grandma uh, so the mother could run around saying, it's raiding the village. Uh, We gotta get in the roundhouse. They're gonna secure themselves into the roundhouse because it's like buried underground, the big timbers. And, uh, but it got- it got into the camp before, uh, so the Yaya Lee grabbed the baby out of the crying baby out of the grandma's ha- hands and slammed it against the tree. Okay. So the next day, the tribe goes, We can't handle this. We got to do something. So they got together, and it's up, it's up by Columbia and Springfield Road, kind of by the airport. Okay. Uh, and they tracked this thing down up, up to there. And it was under a pine tree, cracking the pine cones to get the seeds out, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. And then when the uh, tribe, he noticed the tribe, he climbed up into the tree. Okay. So what the, uh, the, I might as well call it the war party with the pitchforks and stuff. What they did was they surrounded the tree with pine cones okay. and set them on fire. Makes sense. So uh, the thing's trapped in a burning tree. tree. So uh, it, it falls and, and it, you know, it dies. It and uh, yeah, it breaks his neck or whatever. And there's these white rocks, a pile of white, ro- white rocks over there that is the memorial to that incident. And it's called Yaya Lee's Bones. Wow. And uh, the anthropologist that works for the Stanislaus National Forest, and she's the one that has the tribal relations with the different tribes. And uh, they would always tease her, saying, uh, hey, did you go, how, is Yaya Lee's bones still there? And to let you know how the tribal people are big believers, right. um, she'd always go to their meetings, and then one night they're walking her out to the car. We need to walk you out to the car. And she, it was, she asked him, says, you've never walked me out in the car to the car before. Says, yeah, but... Yaya Lee's been around. There have been sightings. 
So they walked the anthropologists out, all the women actually, out to the car, their car. It's interesting because, you know, as we discussed before, you know, some groups they see it, some groups they see it more positively than others. You know, they they see it as a forest spirit, you know, a protector of nature. You know, but other groups they're they're quite afraid of it, and I mean that's that's true of indigenous groups all over North America. But so, it just uh, just wasn't the past. It was uh, no, an it's active now too. thing that, oh, yeah. uh, that is now. And what impacted me on that, it was so different than the other stories that were transcribed by this right. old storyteller, because this one looked, sounded so realistic compared to some of the sure. others. No, it's, it, you know, you go to a, a tribal event and it's like, hey, you know, we saw Bigfoot over on the ridge. You know, if you want to see Bigfoot this week, he's over on the ridge. That's where he's at right now. No, it's it's very common. So um, we had talked about the Ron Moorhead recording. Yes. Do you want to hear a little? Tip? I would love to hear it. Okay. Let's, let's do that. So here's the Sierra sound. So up there, uh, so they had the Patterson-Gimlin film, which yes. is real famous. I mean, everybody oh, knows yeah. about it. I have one of the footprints. But uh, one of the, uh, uh, we have the Sierra sounds. Yeah. and these I've were, heard about it for years. I've never actually heard it. Well, here it is. I, I will give samples of a couple of them. Okay. This is a, a, during a series of years they went out there and made recordings. The right. family, I guess it was part of their migration route or something. It okay. always show up. Because the hunting was good, I heard the hunting. There was a marine, a wildlife biologist up by Pinecrest okay. that witnessed the Bigfoot taken down. She was counting frogs or something, but she witnessed a, a Bigfoot taken down a deer. Really? Yeah, they break the leg. Oh on the wow! Thing. But uh, that's a pretty strong beast. That that's yeah. Grab a deer, but uh, so that's documented too. And she was working for the Forest Service. And uh, wow, I had I gotta be honest, I had no idea. Yeah, that's how common this stuff is. Well, if you want to see Bigfoot, you better come to Tuolumne County. <laughs> Did you know during the Bigfoot Festival, and they have a Bigfoot symposium? Yeah, I and was they have the Strains that. and Jerry Hine and right. you know all these Bigfoot people. Oh, and then uh, there were some people that made a television show that was on one of those stations they came up there that one year and they said they had this map and had the pins in it right where all there were sightings right uh-huh. and uh uh the uh, there at the end it says anybody who has had witnessed any big oh, right. activity yeah, get put in, in line g- g- and put in a pin everyone that was there there uh, got <laughs> in the line yeah. Waiting their turn to point out where the pin should be. Well, real quick, before you play that, we should probably let people know what we're talking about. And that's the Sierra Bigfoot Music Festival up there in beautiful Twainheart, back for its third year, August 25th, 26th, 27th. It's my birthday on the 26th. It's my anniversary on the 27th. Wow. For my anniversary, or for our anniversary, we're going to the festival. Uh, and it's uh, $20 per day or 50 bucks for the weekend. Kids under 12 are free with an accompanying adult. Online sales end 824. And uh, tickets will be available at the gate for uh, 30 bucks a day, 60 bucks for a weekend. Uh, lots of bands, music, and uh, most importantly... Uh, yeah, there's like Bigfoot's, 30 bands. Yeah, there's tons of bands. 
we were and the stage they use is the same one that Janet Joplin. That's what they were saying. I was actually up at Twainheart today at the at the art little art fair oh, they yeah. have. Yeah, and I was talking. You to talked to Meadow. I talked to Meadow. Big shout out, by the way. I know it's a Thursday, but go check out the uh, the arts fair up in up in Twainheart. It's pretty pretty bitching, and I'm I'm working on getting a table up there. So if you need to meet the captain. He's going to be up there. Uh, we are going to have a table. KAD has a table. Really? Yeah, that's Okay, well, I'm thing. definitely going to have to volunteer for Manny and that, that one. Oh, yeah, we're all hands bit. on deck for that. Okay. We take turns. I mean, that's a long weekend. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm in. Just right. not on the 27th. I might have to justify things a little bit. Well, what the cool <laughs> thing about it is, is uh, we get uh, press privileges. Score in and out, uh, and does press privileges include autographs? Well, I just mean I'm you kidding. can go I'm in kidding. and I'm out kidding. of the I'm fair. Kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, you'll be surprised that you'll be on the air for a while and you'll be someplace. Let's say you're in a restaurant and you're ordering food. Yeah, the person that's sitting in the booth next to you will turn and say, Aren't you on the radio? I can't wait. You know, I was over at Flappy's today because today's half off big pizza day, okay. so <laughs> so I had to get my big pep 18 inch pepperoni. Yeah, I, I, I figure the next time I go in Flappy, somebody's like, are you that weird guy on the radio? I'll be uh, like, yes, I'm the captain. Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll <laughs> start experiencing that after I can't a while. Because it's just a small community. It is. We it's a small community. community. Radio yeah. All right, so. I think we need to play those sounds. Oh, okay. Here we I've go. waited years to hear this. All right. I have two sets of them, but it would run, well, it only run about six minutes, but we'll, we'll give you a taste of each one. Was trying to interact with the thing. Yeah. Sorry, the thing froze up and started spinning on us. Radio, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's...
But uh, there it goes, it's gone. There we go. Well, anyway. No, that sounds that sounds like what I heard out there by Strawberry. It was like a... Like so it was like a family. There okay. was uh, there was like the old old grandpa. Okay. There was a couple of uh, male and female and a juvenile, and uh, they were kind of actually, if you call that conversing. Oh no, I can now, hear the it. ones that are. Uh, and I wish I had the samurai sounds. So they start doing like these hoots yeah. are real common. They can mimic other animals. Um, and their abilities with the octaves, they can go higher than what a human can and lower than what a human can. And over a period of about six years, maybe, they went up there and recorded them. But one night, a bear raided the camp. And okay. they kept trying to shoo this bear away. And it kept, they, the bear straight out turned on them. Uh-huh. And they always went, they're hunters. Right. So they had their weapons with them, of course. and they shot the bear. And the next year they came back, no, no Bigfoot. more Bigfoot. Uh, so they're thinking the Bigfoot might have witnessed that. Yeah. And then that's, and the, and Ron kept going up there. It was like a ritual with him. Yeah, every year. And then uh, during that time, they saw orbs. Oh yeah. And the uh, the saber. Yeah, he described it as a as a lightsaber from Star Wars flying through the, well, slowly moving through the, uh, the forest. And that that those tapes and there's hours of them. Yeah. And they go through all different kind of sounds. I gotta I gotta find a full copy of these. And um, and they're condensed together. Sure. Uh, yeah, there was actually a reporter that in 1972, a reporter came up and uh, they hired, uh, Ron Moorhead let, let them know what was going on and uh, they didn't really want to believe him. Right. So they sent this guy that's like, you know, not like the ace reporter dude. Right, he's like the to, B grade. Right, yeah. to, and he brought audio equipment. And uh, he experienced that. And they've, uh, this has never been disproved. It's been studied constantly. But, you know, that's, that's Bigfoot in UFOs and all that stuff in general. You know, it's, everybody always wants to not believe. And that's fine. But sometimes you're confronted with something that you can't deny. You know, when I saw it, right, I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting at, a, at a, uh, like a picnic table, you know, and I'm playing Tetris, and uh, my friend, you know, you gotta see this, you gotta see this. I'm like, you know what? The Tetris game on my Game Boy is really good right now. I think I'm gonna stick with, it. no, 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 you gotta see this. And so I turn around and, you know, I'm, I'm a fair distance away from the mountain, but we could see two things that were the size of ants climbing up the side of the mountain, maybe a 50, 60 degree snowfield. And uh, we watched it for hours. And so my friend Chris, uh, he was supposed to actually go on a Bigfoot expedition tonight, but I uh, got called off. But he, you know, I, I'm like, hey, you got to see this. And he's like, no, 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 I'm busy. It's like, no, did you really got to see this? I finally got, and we're just, we sat there for, I don't know, two hours watching them climb up the side of a mountain. And, you know, he did the, he did the, the math 
to try to figure out their size. And, you know, eight, eight, nine feet tall. Climbing up a snowfield. So there is a group of researchers right now organizing a horseback expedition into the high country. Well, that's the only way. But I, I think that even when you see it with your own eyes, you can't, it's hard. It's like seeing a UFO. When you see a UFO, you don't want to believe it's a UFO, but it's a, you, you know it's a UFO. And so Bigfoot is like that too. Now, I've never actually seen one, and it wasn't until I actually talked to all these believers up here. And I worked for the Forest Service, and we had experiences. And uh, uh, I didn't really think much about it until after I talked to everybody. And I go, wow. So, it, you know, these unexplained things that I just kind of put in the back of my mind, uh, they were uh, signs of Bigfoot activity. No, you rationalize it. Yeah, I guess you do. Yeah. It's weird because I remember... You know, I was, the best way I can describe it to you is one night I was driving home from work and it's, it's two in the morning and I'm driving up 680 North through the, this valley and, um, you know, it's kind of foggy above the hills and I'm just driving and I see this object descend through the cloud layer. The cloud layer is, I don't know, a thousand feet high, 1500 feet. And I saw a triangle dropped through the bottom of the cloud layer. Wow. And it was moving so slow. There's no way that it was flying like an airplane. It's too damn slow. And I could see it was a black triangle. I could see the rivets on the black triangle. And I've got a I've got a first generation iPhone. I've got a camera. I've got everything I need. I'm watching it out the window thinking, oh my God, what am I looking at? And I keep thinking, I'm gonna pull over. I'm gonna pull over. I'm going to take a photo of this, but if I pull over, some drunk idiot's going to kill me on the side of the road. And I can't really get a good photo because I'm driving, you know, 80 miles an hour. So no photo. But it's like when you first see it, you're so like struck by the insanity of it all that you're kind of paralyzed. It's true. Everybody I know that's ever seen a UFO or a ghost or anything, the first time you see it, you're paralyzed. And it takes you a long time to realize, like, what you just saw. Well, yeah, my grandmother was a spiritualist. And so I kind of grew up. I mean, we would, us kids would roll our eyes, you know, grandma. But But people from all over would come and bring her gifts because they wanted her communication with uh, their loved ones that have passed on. But whenever we were over my grandma's house, weird stuff happened. Of course. And uh, it only happened around her, though, so she must have been surrounded. But I grew up in that atmosphere. Sure. But it made me more Open. actually skeptical. Oh, skeptical. Uh, than, I believe uh, it. Uh, but then at the same time, not dismissive. No. Because I've seen, I've seen stuff, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Over my long life. Well, my dad, my dad saw my grandmother. And, you know, he doesn't believe in any of that stuff. And I, I said, well, Dad, you saw Grandma. I said, and he says, yes. And I said, well, do you believe me now? Because, I mean, I've seen stuff. I've seen lots of stuff. I'm like a lightning rod. And he goes, yeah, I believe you. There's Weird stuff follows you around. Though. It does. <laughs> trust me. But I'm like, do you believe me now? And he goes, oh, I always believed you. I said, okay, but now you saw Grandma. Now you've seen it. 
I didn't see grandma. Grandma wasn't sitting on my couch. I saw couch. He goes, yeah, I know I saw your grandmother. I said, okay, you saw a full body apparition. This is like super rare. Like the temperature in the house got, I felt the temperature drop. He's all, okay. I said, so you saw a ghost. He goes, I didn't see a ghost. I said, what do you mean you didn't see a ghost? You saw my dead grandmother sitting on my couch and she interacted with you. What do you call that? It's like, I saw your grandmother. So people, you know, they all, they rationalize it in different ways. Like to this day, he, if I call him up tomorrow, I'll be like, dad, did you see a ghost? He'll be like, no, I saw your grandmother. He just won't admit it. So, uh, I mean, not on the subject of ghosts. Sure. Uh, but, you know, when you work for the Forest Service <laughs> and you're out for long periods of time out in the wilderness area, things happen. Oh, yeah. So one time we had finished the season and we finished it way down. Uh, this wasn't in Tuolumne County. It was here in California. And uh, the guy, the campground was closed. But the guy turned the showers on for us because he knew we'd been working for the forest service a long nice. season. It was actually me and my girlfriend, you know. We're the, so we're so the gates are locked. We're the only ones there in this camp area, okay? Okay. And all of a sudden, the inside of the van like filled with light, like this outside light. Okay. And I was like frozen. It was like. Uh, I couldn't move. It was like I literally could not move. Okay. And there was actually light coming in through the seams of the door. And I said, and oh, so wow. the next day, that's how intense the light was. Was it hot or just no, light? No, no. It was just, just light. the light that came, invaded the inside of the van. I mean, came from outside. And the next day, I'm getting a flashlight to see if it was even possible for <laughs> and it's it to not? go. No, it is. Oh, it is. I could actually. You could do it with a flashlight. Uh, I could do it with a flashlight. So uh, the ranger came by, and I asked them straight out. I said, "Was there a vehicle that came through here last night?" And he paused for a moment. And he says, "You saw it, didn't you?" And I said, yes, I saw it. I said, what I ex- is it? I experienced Yeah, I experienced it. it. I didn't see it. I experienced it. Yeah, actually, it was experienced because yeah. I, like, froze. You like, froze, yeah. And uh, I couldn't move. And right. I'm watching that's, that's this. That's experiencing it. Um, and I thought, the next day, I thought I was just dreaming. But when I realized that it was possible that the light invaded the way that it did. Sure. What his explanation was is that the movement of the earth uh-huh. caused static electricity. Oh, really? And he said he'd seen all kinds of crazy lights. Um, and he confided right. that in me because we were fellow, we both saw it. Yeah. And uh, But when he said, oh, you saw it, huh? And you know, it reminds me, when I was a little kid, the, the thing, you know, everybody always asked me, like, what got me into this stuff? Because I, st- I started in, in elementary school. And one night, I, uh, I was laying in bed. I was reading a Choose Your Own Adventure. And uh, there was a ball of light that hovered outside my window on the second floor. And it illuminated my entire room. This is what it reminded me. And um, I hid under my blankets. It's still there. And I tried to read my book very intensely, and it's still there. 
And I, it's just scaring the utter crap out of me. I froze. And finally, I worked up enough nerve to make for the door because I'm convinced that, you know, that this is some Star Trek stuff and I'm going to get dematerialized or something. So I break for the door, get through the door, get into my parents' room across the hall. And I'm like, Dad, Dad. He goes, what, what? I'm like, Dad, you were in the Air Force. Yeah? Okay, you know airplanes. He's all, well, I, you know, he wasn't a pilot. But yeah, he's like, I was in the Air Force, you know. They have a lot of planes. And so I'm like, you got to tell me what this thing is. So he comes in there. He's got his MP baton in his hand. He's going to kill it, whatever it is. It's gone. It's gone. And so I went to the elementary school library, and I said to the librarian, I said, hey, I saw something weird outside my window up in the air. I want a book. And she's like, oh, the the airplane books and, and the weather books are over here. Dewey Decimal System, whatever, whatever. I'm like, no, lady, you don't understand. I saw something weird. And she's like, oh. And it's the woo factor. She goes, oh you want those books and there's four of them sitting on the bottom of a bookshelf over in the corner so i check out all four books it's jacques Villey, messengers of deception it's j allen hynek it's a uh, it's uh, brad steiger mysteries of time and space and some other book i don't remember Veli and hynek were too dense for you know for like a fourth grader fifth grader i could not i was in fifth grade i could not get it but brad steiger's book i got it and it just opened my, you know, time jumps, time shifts, vortexes, portals, UFOs, cryptids, ghosts. It's all there in mysteries of time and space. And that started me on it. But I had happened to me what you had, except I saw the light. I looked right at it. And it was a soft blue light, completely illuminated my entire room. To this day, I still, I'm 48 years old, almost 48. I still do not know what that was. Well, figuring that I grew up with a crazy grandmother that was a spiritualist that would talk to the dead all the time. And then um, uh, I worked in a psych hospital. Okay. And uh, I would do the all-night shifts. Okay. And that was the first time I seen a some kind of apparition, I guess. What did you see? Well, the thing is, is there was this, oh, and then people that could read minds, a lot of sure. mental illness, you know, it passes this weird threshold. So yeah. I'd have to do the night rounds. Okay. And so I went, you know, to check to see that everybody was in bed. Right. And this is locked ward. And I go into this one room and there's like this green phosphorescent figure it didn't have okay. full features, but you could tell it you was a see human. The shape. Yeah. You see the shape uh, at the foot of this lady's bed. Really? And, uh, you know, my mission is to protect these people. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm, I'm, I run over there and start shaking this... Sleeping lady. The sleeping lady. And I say, get up, get up. There's something at the foot of the bed. And she's kind of half awake and she says, it's Jesus. And I said, I don't know what it is, but it's not Jesus. And she woke up all the way and the thing was gone. She projected in her sleep. Okay. Yeah. Now there was this other crazy lady and she would just talk with what everybody thought was gibberish, that the stuff didn't make any sense. 
But once you got to know her, uh-huh. what you realized she was doing was reading your mind and responding to things that, that you, you were, were thinking. thinking. But she was bombarded with thoughts yeah. from all around her. Yeah, and it made so her nuts. It made her nuts. Yeah. Um, There's a thing about that, that that I've seen before where a lot of times, if you have somebody who's very severely ment- like schizophrenic or mentally ill, they not everybody but it does happen that they are somehow in the process of that mental illness they are interfacing something beyond and i'm not saying that everybody you know mental illness is real and we need to be better about mental illness and treat it better and not make it such a dark secret and and really help people who have it but every once in a while one of those people they are as part of that they are tapping into something way beyond like what you're yeah, saying. Some Jungian, some yeah. another collective Archetype, unconscious, yes, archetypical. I, yeah, the Akashic record, stuff. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, tapping and, into that. And by the way, you know, my in my family, I didn't have a, a crazy spiritual grandmother. My grandmother was a was a psychiatric nurse. Well, there you go. You know, she just she wanted to thorazine people. You know, it's like I don't want to deal with this. I want to treat the symptoms and move on. She didn't believe in any of that stuff. My grandfather, you know, he was a mathematician. So, you know, we, I don't have the. I mean, I, my mom's a, a nurse, and she's told me some stories about weird things that would happen in the hospital when people would die. They'd code, but I didn't have that part. But I still have the weirdness. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, that's why I take it, maybe because that's why I fit in in Tuolumne County. That's what it and, seems like. Uh, and that's why I take such a nonchalant attitude that anything is possible. There's a nonchalance here about the, about the odd and the obscure. Yeah. Like that's just a part of everyday life. I didn't really realize it until I started to come here. And I, I didn't realize the actual depth of it until we started talking. So uh, what do you see as the future of the show and what will people can look forward to in this? Well, you know, I want to bring back overnight radio. You know, I was, I was talking to some people and, they, and I was trying to figure out how to articulate that. And I remember one night I was, I was driving home. I, I was in school at Davis and I, back then there were no lights from Walnut Creek to, you know, back all the way through Vacaville and, and through, you know, Fairfield and the nut tree, there were no lights. Like it was just pitch black. And I had gone to see my parents mostly to get some free food because I was a poor college student. And I was driving back up 680 and it was pitch black. Hail bop is in the sky above me. Tells you how old I am. I was in college then. Hail bop is in the sky above me. I'm listening to Art Bell talk to Dr. Doom at Dames about a pod detaching from Hail Bop that's going to kill all the vegetation on the earth. I was in a liminal space in that moment. Today we call that a liminal space. I felt like I was in the twilight zone. And I wanted I wanna I want to bring that back. I want you to listen to the show. I want you to I'm here to help guide you. We're all travelers. I'm a, I'm the guide. I'm going to take you in. We're going to hear some weird stuff. It's going to be crazy. We got some tiki tiki happy going on too. But you're going to hear some weird crazy stuff. We're going to do some crazy stuff. 
and then we're going to get out on the other end and we're going to learn some stuff and, and we're going to be interested. You know, I had never heard of Art Bell and the Coast to Coast show until I moved up here. And everyone listened to that. I want to bring And I started uh, listening to it kind of at the tail end. And you, you get addicted to it. Yeah, you do. Because the, the beauty of what Art Bell did, and I'm not Art Bell, I'm not that good, but Art Bell accepted you for who you were. That was it. And that's something else about Tuolumne County. Art Bell accepted you for who you were, whether you were doing Mel's Hole or you did Area 51 color. I only ever heard him not believe somebody once. And that was Richard Hoagland. They did the second pass of the face on Mars. Richard Hoagland, oh my God, look at what we've seen. We can see tetrahedral, whatever, 19.5 degrees. And Art Bell goes, you know, Richard, I love you. I really love you, Richard. But it looks like a cat box. <laughs> but that I but would have said that the exact same thing. That he totally accepted you and yes. would listen to your story. That's right. When I'm gonna get phone phone calls working so you can call in. I wanna hear your story. I want you to stop me on the street and tell me your story. I want you to bring me your temporal erratics from t- from Table Mountain because I believe you. And I want to bring that back. I now, want to create. Are a you going to go uh, expand the notion? Whatever's weird in the world, or concentrate more on just swallowing that? You know, I think that we need to we need to look at the whole world. But I'm in Tuolumne County. Tuolumne County comes first. I think we need to really understand and talk about the weirdness of Tuolumne County. And I think on occasion we need to go out to the big bigger picture. Because there's things that we can learn out there. I mean, just talking about Sonora Arrow Club will get you a whole season of episodes. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to get Walter on. We're going to go. I mean, who is that guy? Uh, P.G. Navarro, Pete Navarro. Oh, yeah, Pete Navarro. Trying to, I mean, spent years trying to decode those books of the show. For people who don't know, uh, the <laughs> first book came out with, called His Recollections. Right. And it was just little pictures on yep. the side. They're collages. And, uh, um, he, it was like his reminiscences of the time he spent in the motherlode, and it's right. documented that he had to have spent time here oh, because yeah. he knew all the sure. uh, the area, the people. They knew him, the, uh, nicknames and stuff. So I mean, uh, that's for sure. But his it's written partly in English, partly in German, right, and then partly in code. And yeah, what. Well, a lot of the good stuff's in code. Uh, and then there's the story of the book you have here. This book that you have here that's very hard to find. Basically, they I think Delshaw had died or something, and they were cleaning out his apartment. And he made these collages that were basically schematics of the arrows. And they had thrown them in the garbage can in yeah. a dumpster. Yeah, we'll get into that yeah. next next, next time. Next week, we'll do the we'll uh, do Delshaw. We'll tell the story of Delshaw. Uh, um, yeah, the uh, Sonora Arrow Club Sonora and the Club. Books of Deschau. I love it. Was a, a Tuolumne County mystery right there. But, but yeah, no, I, I want to ha- always have a focus on Tuolumne County. You know, I want to do a lot about here. I want to go places. You know, once I can figure out how to do it, I want to actually go into the forest, broadcast live from the forest, looking for Bigfoot. You know, I want to get people together, do sky watches, do Bigfoot watches. Oh, yeah, we'll involve the community. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to broadcast live from the hospital. That hospital is haunted, like, to the end, 
I mean, it was it was all ghost adventures. I want to go in there. I've I wanna, seen those. Yeah. I want to broadcast live from in there if they'll let me in. And you can talk to the caretaker. Uh-huh. And uh, it's here. He, he's he's actually reoccurring spirits. Uh, he's on a first name basis. He has names. For I that. love it. So I, I want to do a lot like that. I want a lot of, I'm going to rig a phone so we can Oh, and another childhood memory that I have is yes. uh, I grew up in the East Bay, okay. and there was this place called Coyote Hills, and yep. it had a biosonar lab to see, uh, to test out the sonar in mammals. Right. And uh, one of the guys that was there for a year or so was John Lilly. And uh, he's the one that they made the movie Altered States about. And uh, uh, I was so fascinated. I'd show up every day, you know, a little kid. And I actually got to spend time. And I knew nothing at that time about his LSD experiments and isolation. MKUltra, artichoke. And I knew nothing about Special Study 27. But uh, he would talk to me about interspecies communication. Sure. And I was just a little kid. That's crazy. He he liked me for some reason and let me in a couple times. I had a conversation with a cosmonaut once that was like that. Georgi Gretschko, I think he just liked me. And so he actually was like talking to me about UFOs and stuff when he was up in Mirror. This is when I was in high school. But no, I mean, Artichoke, Ultra, all that other stuff that Lily was involved in, that's a whole nother show because yeah. MK Ultra was basically run out of Northern California. Yeah, all, the, pretty much all of it. Okay, so right behind you, there's the, our lordship. The Lord Buckley was born and raised in Tuolumne City. Okay. And when Oscar Janiger got the first LSD experiments in America, uh-huh. uh, that they got directly from Sandoz. Right. And he conducted the LSD experiment. That was medical the grade. That, acid. Uh, Cary Grant participated sure. in. And all those people, and one of the original ones was Lord Buckley, and he started one episode. It's got to be about the Church of the Living Swing, and he's a Tuolumne guy, and yeah, uh, it was a precursor to uh, the counterculture movement. Matter of fact, when Buckley died, Ken Kesey was such a fan of Lord Buckley, they called the first electric Kool-Aid acid test the Lord Buckley Memorial Sunsets. Wow. And uh, uh, Kesey, after Buckley died, Kesey, he was on his cosmic tour. I know we're almost time to sign <laughs> off. There's so much, much to fun. talk about. Next week. Uh, next week. Yeah, he's hanging out with me for a, a couple of weeks here to get me trained up. Hopefully next week I'll be on the board. All right. <laughs> yeah, after I messed it up and started buffering and I called. Oh, you did great. All right. So, so I, I should probably mention before we shut this down, Uh, Yes, we're going to be on. I'm going to be on every Thursday from 10 p.m. to uh, 12 a.m. And uh, we're going to be talking about some weird stuff. Instagram, I'm uh, Captain Tiki Show. Uh, You can find me as Olaf Phillips over on Facebook. Uh, Send me a a request. You can email me at Olaf at anomalies.net, A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E-S.net, or Olaf at theenigmashow.com. Okay, and then here is my contribution to the uh, tiki music for the Bring night. Bring it. And uh, you're listening to KAADLP, 103.5 oh, yeah. FM, Sonora, and streaming at kaad-lp.org. 
And if you you can pick us up on any streaming service. Yep. Uh, but if you go directly to our website to listen to our stream, make sure you scroll down and hit the donate button. Yes, please. Okay, here we go. All right. So, so this is it for the night. This is it, man. Aloha. Uh, Have a great night, everybody. Lahitraot. Awesome.